Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined once again by my childhood friend Chris Dow. My name is Chris Dow. And my adulthood friend Minty Booth. Good evening everyone, hello. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week we have our 94s. But before we do that, I would like to kick off this episode with a new feature. Hello? Oh, are you sure? So, for uh, Christmas, I was given a little box entitled Geek Gamer 100 Trivia Questions. And it is 100 trivia questions about computer games. Oh, if only we'd started at episode one. I know. So that means we're going to need to do seven now. (laughs) Okay. And I'm going to keep a running tally of who gets the best between you two. And the winner at the end, in two years' time, will receive (laughs) a prize. Cool. (laughs) Are we buzzing in or both giving our individual answers? Because I'm aware that there's some latency which can make it unfair. That is true. That is true. So, Minty, you need to pretend that you've heard this half a second after Chris has. (laughs) Okay, cool. Chance to use my degree. Okay, let's... I don't think you quite got it. Let's try that again. So, Minty, you need to pretend to have heard this half a second after Chris has heard this. Okay. Great. A chance to use my degree. (laughs) That's better. Okay, so, question one. In the classic game Pac-Man, if you wanted to eat a ghost for bonus points, you had to eat what first... A power pellet. A power oh, pellet. Chris gets in there before Minty does. That is one point to Chris. Well done. Champion. Kingdom Hearts combined the art and style of Final Fantasy with... Disney. There was, it's actually a multiple choice question. It doesn't need to be. Question three. Santa Monica-based Naughty Dog released the first instalment of their best-selling franchise, Uncharted, in 2007. But... What game was their breakout hit? Crash, Crash Bandicoot. Bandicoot. Ooh. Oh, that is very close, isn't it? That was very close. But I'm going to have to go with Minty for that one. Ugh. Question four. What classic arcade game was the first to feature the carpenter jump Donkey man? Kong. Donkey Kong. Oh, Chris is straight in there. Straight on it, yeah. Straight yeah. in there. <laughs> I didn't even finish the question. Didn't need to, mate. Didn't need to. Okay, here we go. Question five. The JRPG slash social sim series Persona that requires the player to juggle their daily life of going to school with fighting monsters in another world is a spin-off of which... Shin Megami Tensei. Shin Megami Tensei. Chris got it. He did, yeah. Chris got that. Bloody hell. I was thinking I wouldn't have got that. (laughs) Question six. What was the first home video console... Ooh. Commodore 64. No. No. 2600? The Atari 2600? No, it's not that either. Oh, is it the, is it the Vectrix? No. Atari. No. I'm going to come in with my guess. <laughs> <laughs> my guess, also known as the correct answer from the back of the card. It's called Odyssey. Oh, the Magnavox. Yeah, it's the Magnavox Odyssey. So that's one for the Quizmaster. Okay, question seven. This is the last one of this episode, and then we're up to date. Okay. In the highly successful Infamous franchise, you play the role of Cole. But what was his surname? Is it A, Bennett, B, Harper, C, McGrath, or D, Smith? I'm going to go with Bennett. Uh, I'm going to say... McGrath. And the correct answer is McGrath. 
Cool. So as it stands, it's 4-2 to Chris. There we go. So, moving on with the episode. What have we been playing recently? So... This is the first episode back after Christmas. I've just been playing Super Smash Brothers. I don't know about you guys. Mm. I have also played a lot of Super Smash Brothers. Have we all had a pretty decent time to reflect on Super Smash Brothers? Come to our our, ver- our final verdicts on it. I feel so. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. I, I've hundred percented single player mode, but I haven't done that much with classic mode. So I don't know if there's something else there. I mean, I have hundred percented the world of light, which was which was great. It does give you the option of new game plusing it, which I thought, oh, that'd be great. This would be a really good way, a bit more of an enjoyable way of getting the remaining sort of spirits that I need uh, without just constantly sort of reshuffling the spirit board. But it just it, you just fight exactly the same spirits again, which I thought was a little disappointing. I mean, but still, I mean, like, I'm not going to complain. It was a 26 hour single player game, so I'm not going to say, oh yeah, that's a bit disappointing. That wasn't bad. Hmm. Classic mode. I've also played through with all the characters, of course. And I feel I, I I'll be honest. So okay, so don't get me wrong. This game is phenomenal. It is absolutely wonderful. It is chock full of incredible content, amazing sort of diversity, and yeah, it's phenomenal. But there are a couple of things that irked me, Mm. and they irked me because I did obviously play through classic modes 78 times or whatever. (laughs) One of which is the little bonus level that you do, where you have to run away from the void chasing you and collect coins. Waste of time. Yeah, I don't know what happened there because it looks like it was designed to be procedurally generated and be different every time. That would have been really fun if Hmm. every time there was always 100 coins to collect. Like the target range from Melee. Yeah. I mean, there were only 25 characters in that, but every single one had a different layout in their stage, which played to their strengths and their movements. Exactly. That Um, would have been... That would have been even better than just having it as a randomly generated sort of stage, actually. Because the level of you know, sort of design around each character for classic mode and the fact that each character's ladder of uh, progression has a theme and a story relating to the character and some of which were very sort of creative and a lot of characters had a, you know, a sort of a fitting final boss to fight as well. But that brings me on to my second thing. And I, I do feel a bit bad about quibbling this because it is just, I feel it's a bit greedy, but I really would have liked it if there had been more final bosses. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, so the first time I played through it, I played through it as Link. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, you know, Ganon as a final final boss. Very good. Really, really cool. Then I played through it as Marth. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a huge dragon. This is amazing. I can't believe every character's got, like, an amazing final boss. Yeah. And then I played through it as all the other characters and fought two two other final bosses, as well as various iterations of, you know, Handy McGroob or whatever his name is. (laughs) It's only those two elements that just feel like it was a little unfinished. Yeah, this is only my perception, but there was so much effort put into the into the world of light that it could have just been that and it would have been a complete game. You know, I can't wait to see what comes with the DLC. I'm really hoping that it's more than just a character. I'm hoping that there'll be some other things as well. I'm waiting for the L-shaped Tetris block to come as the next DLC character. For a game that is essentially made as a multiplayer game, I have never really played that much couch multiplayer like you have, Chris. Yeah. And I think next time you are in Wales, Chris, we should 100% do a massive smash tawny. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think that'd be fantastic. Next time I'm up, do a podcast, fight each other, eat a pizza. So, moving on to 
the rankings. Mm-hmm. My game this week is the first game of this console that certainly I've spoken about. I think possibly that any of us have spoken about. Exciting. It's a PC game. Oh, hello. So for many years, I didn't really have a state-of-the-art console. And I would, I also did not have a state-of-the-art computer at all. But our, for a while, our computer was sort of capable of running fairly decent games. And I'd like to think we made the most of it. You know, I was a child. I had pocket money, so that meant I could get a game every two months, maybe. <laughs> when we were sort of younger, me and my brother bought games based mainly on what we thought they'd be like because we didn't really read reviews we just sort of look at the the boxes in you know whichever shop we were in and go oh that looks quite fun so this game is actually a game in a series of games i did not know this at the time when we bought it and it's part of a huge sort of big computer game series I also didn't know at the time that it was apparently quite a controversial entry in this series because it took the series in a totally new direction. And even though the game will absolutely not be on anyone else's top 100 games list. Which is the best part of this list. It has a very, very special place in my heart. And this game is King's Quest Mask of Eternity. Oh. Oh. So this is actually the eighth game in the series, but they decided not to include a number in the title like they had done with the previous seven incarnations of the game. I haven't played uh, any other King's Quest games, but I know that they're kind of point-and-click sort of style adventure games, narrative-driven, and King's Quest Mask of Eternity was just a fully-fledged 3D action-adventure game. Whilst there was apparently, a, you know, a real sort of like humour sort of underlying the other games, this game was absolutely po-faced. It was like cast iron serious in the face of absurd dialogue. So the the general story is you play as Connor, a farmhand from the, the town of Daventry, and when some evil wind... <laughs> freezes everyone and turns them to stone uh, and the mask of eternity is shattered across the land into six convenient chunks that also happen to scatter in six equally convenient biodomes (laughs) he finds one that lands at his feet and he is saved from being frozen and he has to travel the world trying to find the pieces to to put it back together and and undo the wizard's spell or something i mean i knew i was in for a treat when within the opening sort of cutscene, there were lines such as whence came this foul tempest and one of the villagers literally proclaims connor a sudden wind <laughs> are, you, are you just reciting this from memory yeah <laughs> There's other classics later on where he finds this kind of decrepit unicorn and he just says, oh, pathetic beast, whither does it cry? (laughs) (laughs) So it was very, I mean, incredibly cheesy dialogue. And like I said, delivered absolutely po-faced. Maybe it was just tongue in cheek. I don't know. Because there was at one point a goblin doing a crap on a toilet. (laughs) Yeah, that is like quite the tonal shift. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so you're Connor, this plucky hero. This young lad. This young lad. And uh, you have to fight through this sort of dystopian version of his village. And then you go to the underworld. Then you go to a big swamp where there's a giant snail. 
and a witch. Then you go to all the underground realm of the gnomes. Oh, <laughs> lovely. I feel like you're, walk- you're walking us through like a-, a tour guide here. Guess what's after the sort of underground area, which has got Fire Lake? Ice Level. Ice. Yep, then yes. you go to the ice level, and then you go to the Kingdom of the Sun. So as I said, the game is sort of an action-adventure game, but it's got RPG elements, so you find like new armour and new weapons and stuff that sort of help you fight various monsters. The game wasn't brilliant. It wasn't brilliant. It wasn't kind of, you know, a smooth kind of like 3D action-adventure kind of experience that we've got from stuff like, you know, obviously like Zelda and Dark Souls and stuff like that. But given, you know, how long ago it came out... It really was quite revolutionary in, in what it was doing. It, you know, it clearly had an idea of saying, oh, this is a way that a story can be told. And it, it absolutely went for it. I tell you what, I would kill for a remake of this. You know, cheesy dialogue and all <laughs> on like the Dark Souls engine. Ah, oh, great. Who's the most famous person you'd kill for a remake of it? Well, it's Dolph Lundgren. I don't think I've ever met somebody else who's played the game apart from my brother and I'm still not entirely sure why because like I said it was it was really sort of ahead of its time for a lot of stuff it was trying to do it was you know it was an entry in a long-standing series it's a real mishmash of different narratives and different laws it's obviously got its own sort of rich lore there was certainly elements of King Arthur in there I mean there was at one point there's a lady of the lake and a sword and there was elements of lord of the rings in there but yeah really really good fun game great adventure great story albeit cheesy but definitely would play again and i would like i said i'd kill Dolph lundgren for a remake <laughs> do you think the reason you've never met anybody else who's ever played it is because you never really open up a conversation with have you ever played king's quest mask of eternity <laughs> i think you're probably onto something there because it was well it's not the sort of thing that would come up in conversation definitely gonna hashtag the the crud out of this one with king's quest and mask of eternity and see if i can get the conversation started and um give Dolph longer a heads up hmm. <laughs> so that is mask of eternity my 94th favorite video game of all time moving on we have christopher dow what <laughs> is your entry this week i won't sort of uh, stall too much today because you've just said this is the first pc game and mine is also a pc game just to jump straight into it and then i'll, I'll give context after uh, it is for the cyberpunk first person shooter deus ex So this was a game I got kind of obsessed about when I was reading games magazines. I used to have a subscription to computer and video game, but I'd seen footage, or not footage, I'd seen pictures of of Deus Ex for years, or articles about it. So in the back of my head, we didn't even own a PC. My my family didn't get a PC until quite late, and when it finally did come out, I, I... did have a PC and I was kind of aware of it being a thing. And I was really fascinated because it seemed to be a game that was about having more choice than I was used to in any games that I'd played previously. So it was always sold in this way that's like, okay, you're approaching this situation, you've got to decide kind of the the way you're going to tactically kind of deal with you know whatever is happening in front of you so it could be that you've got a, a group of guards kind of patrolling a like a complex or a building or something so do you just like rush in and, and shoot do you try and kind of like you know conserve ammo enough but but go in all guns blazing sort of thing do you try and take a little side route and pick a lock and go in that way and try and avoid the firefight do you stack up a load of boxes and just hop over a wall do you use kind of like an emp grenade to disable a camera and then sort of hack into a keypad or something it seemed to be that everything had this this element of choice that I, I wasn't used to in games. 
so I was really keen to play it. But in practice, not only was I rubbish at it when it came out, <laughs> my, piece, my PC could barely run it. But so weirdly, like I'm choosing this for the PC because I've, I've since played it through there. But I didn't have a proper experience of it until it got a port to the PlayStation 2 kind of like three or so years later. And the, the PS2 port had loads of shortcomings, but I still really loved it just because I'd kind of had this really long relationship with the game. So suddenly I could make some sort of progress through it and I could see the idea of kind of using the augmentations in the game to change your kind of build of character character also getting it at that stage when it was on the ps2 because i was a few years older i think it was probably better because i could then also appreciate that it had a narrative to it that is a bit overwrought when you kind of look back at it now it's all kind of about government conspiracies and the illuminati and that sort of nonsense but at the time it felt like this is the deepest coolest thing i've ever seen i can't remember if it came out like around the same time as the matrix because that that kind of like cyberpunk like I, I think that was like an interesting thing at that kind of like early two thousands that a lot of media was was kind of latching onto, so it kind of fed into that idea that everyone was into this sort of stuff, uh, and I enjoyed being part of that stuff as well. I guess. I mean, I think it was very sort of zeitgeisty in the fact that you know Deus Ex came out in two thousand and the Matrix came out in ninety nine. So it's it's a game that unlike a lot of the picks I've had so far, I haven't actually gone back to in quite a while. Like the last time I played it would have been on the PC, but that was probably at least a, ten years ago, like a full decade. And it's had loads of direct sequels and a few prequels and all sorts of things. And I've never played any of them. So yeah, I, I think you know from memory, I think the game would still hold up quite well. I, th- I think I'd still enjoy it if I sat down and played it, but this is largely talking kind of from memory, this idea that it was something that I'd followed for all these years and had this weird relationship where it was like, I can play it, but I can't really play it and things like that, that I don't know, kind of like personal history with it as well in that sense, that it felt like it was a, a number of years that it had some part in my life, even if it wasn't something I was like actively obsessed with or playing. But yeah, it just, I think it's a real like tentpole release as well. It's just... It does a lot of things really well, or did a lot of things really well. So Deus Ex came out, I said in two thousand, and it was kind of like right at the very start of the sort of the three D kind of video game revolution, which I, I think started sort of with with something like Half Life, um, yeah. where it was like, okay, this is what we can do now on PC. This isn't Doom, you know. This isn't Quake. This is this is something new, you know. This isn't just a three D shooter. It's it, it's a way of telling a story, and like you said, there's options, and like Thief came out in the first thief game came out in 98 as well and the way that that did stealth was obviously very different to doom where it was just run and gun i remember i was drawn to deus ex through thief because basically it was like oh this is like a sci-fi thief and because of that i always kind of was drawn to games that had different ways of playing it especially if one of the ways you could play it was the stealth option because i always i just loved the idea of actually avoiding the fights Deus Ex was certainly certainly one of those, and and even more so than something like Thief, which was obviously ambiguously medieval themed. So there weren't guns or or weapons that really made noise anyway. But Deus Ex was great because it's like you could go in and play it literally all guns blazing, yeah. or you could avoid the fight entirely uh, and still be successful. Like I said, that visual aesthetic, that cyberpunk sort of uh, feel that was coming out at the end of the 90s and the early 2000s, maybe one of the reasons why the other games, the sequels, weren't you know quite as iconic was the fact that actually by that point we were you know pretty oversaturated for our choice of cyberpunk treats. And also that we are essentially now living in a dystopia. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's oh. all a bit close to home sometimes, isn't it? There we go. Two in a row, PC games. Will this be a third? Let's find out in the hands of Mr. Booth. You set the precedent with uh, your first PC game on the list. Chris continued that precedent with the second PC game, not only on the list, but of the night. 
So here I am to continue that that theme for the night, kind of. Oh, hello. Because this game that I've picked is a cross-platform release, which I first played on the PC. Oh, no way. Yeah. When I was younger, the, the, the computer that we had in our house, it was functional rather than um, decadent. <laughs> so it, it, was ne- it was never up to never up to spec for for any of the games that were coming out so i used to make do with many demo discs from computer and video games magazine pc zone pc gamer so i've got a whole load of pc games which i've played about 15 minutes of and this is probably one of the few that has really stuck in my mind I enjoyed it so much that I bought it on the uh, N64 when it came out. This was like how Stars in Their Eyes used to go, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Tonight, Matthew. Tonight, Matthew. I'm eight years old. The Jackson 5. <laughs> <laughs> the Jackson 5! <laughs> when I first started to play the demo version, aside from, you know, the story modes... I'm playing multiplayer mode by myself, as I was wont to do in those days, because um, everybody who I was friends with was into sports or didn't like me. So. <laughs> these are always these little tragic asides, aren't they? If you can, please give £2 a month to the Minty's Friends Association. <laughs> Every year, a Minty goes lonely. <laughs> <laughs> And what I used to do is I used to gather as many of the characters around uh, an oil drum as I could, and then I would blow it up and see how far it rocketed them across the landscape, just coated in petrol, (laughs) napalm, screaming as they fell into the sea and drowned and all that. Yeah, I do know. I know what it is. I know what it is. So this is what I used to do maybe 10, 15 times every Saturday morning until Christmas... I think it was Christmas 98 when I got the uh, the cartridge version of this game. It opened up a whole new world of game modes. There was there was training modes that you could get medals in, which obviously had a lot of replayability because I would o- always go for gold. That was hosted by Matthew Kelly's uh, brother Henry Kelly going for gold. Is, is Henry Ke- is Henry Kelly a real person? Yeah, it's Matthew Kelly's brother who used to host a program called Going for Gold. Really? Yeah, I remember Going for Gold. Yeah. Stranger side, I was the crap version of a child prodigy growing <laughs> up, and I was obsessed with daytime um, game shows. So I loved Going for Gold, the one that um, Michael Barrymore hosted. It was dead in my pool. <laughs> <laughs> My blind date, but with a darker twist. It's like through the keyhole. <laughs> Who's dead in my pool? <laughs> through the pool filter. <laughs> this game is Worms Armageddon. Oh! oh! Of course! I can't really say that much more about it than what I have said. I really enjoyed it as a child growing up. The only reason it's not higher is because I played the demo version so much on the PC. When it came to playing the N64 version, the very, very subtle and varied character animations, which I've become accustomed to, were gone. Oh. But there was one animation which will always stick in my head. If you were like me, you would just 
you wouldn't even play the game. You just look at your worms for hours on end and watch them do all the things that they do. Like maybe one would um, pick up a piece of uh, soil from the ground and eat it. I enjoyed that one. Look to the left, look yeah. to the right, but just with his eyes. Yeah. Just with his eyes. Sneaky eyes. And there was one which... Uh, <gasps> my... Yes, you've just mimed it to me. And it... <laughs> Is exactly the one. Yes, it's it's where the worm would just it would close its eyes and its eyebrows would come down. It would pull its eyebrows down to make a little moustache and do a, a wiggle with it. <laughs> That's a good one, but it's second best to the one that I liked. <gasps> so the one that I really liked was where it would just close its eyes, and it would do this big shit-eating <laughs> grin. Uh, but its eyebrows were its eyes, and it just looks really funny. I don't remember that I, one. I can't recall this either. I, I played a lot of this game. Worms Armageddon, very strong Worms game. Incredibly strong. I, I think it is a Worms game. It is the best Worms game. I also agree. It's definitely a Worms game. Maybe that's another game that we should play together. Yeah. Let's set that up on the big Ooh, screen. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Minty, Worms Armageddon, classic game. Uh, one that is much loved, certainly by this host <laughs> mm. that wraps it up for another week of our three cents thank you very much gentlemen for sharing your entries if you have any questions or feedback and you want to get in touch please do find us on twitter you can find me at jonathan dunn you can find me at Chaz underscore hodges we go through this every week i'm not on twitter find me on instagram Drunk Ollivander. Massive shout out to the Double Down Podcast Network who host us so generously. And please do join us next week for our number 93.